You are now listening to Homegirls Unite. Please do not listen to this podcast whilst cooking, cleaning or doing any childcare related activities. Sit back and enjoy your life. Or, or yes. what else are you going to do? And well done, Hannah. You've took, you've took my advice on board. You're on it. Like, the <laughs> wasn't long. It was... I'm scared. You're going to be scared. Chef's kiss. Well, yes, yeah. you said God was the trial. You're such an idiot. Hi, Yasin. How are you? I'm great. Yeah. Yeah. Guess what? I weighed myself this morning yeah. and I've oh. lost, you know, a bit of this, bit of that. I'm really excited. I'm talking to my mama. She said my cheeks are reducing. Cheeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I mean. Because, like, my cheeks are, what's it called? I inherited it from my mom. So all my we all have big cheeks. So I don't know what she's talking about. So I don't understand how my cheeks are reduced because <laughs> I've always had puff, they call it puff puff cheeks. Like, Excuse me, ma'am. I got it from you. I'm like, look in the mirror, baby. Have you seen yourself? Have you seen your cheeks? Do you know what? I have a, I have a, um, I hate not even a love hate a hate hate relationship with the scales I've just I've just stopped I take pictures now because I'm like this ain't it this is not cute you know why I like the scales because when I'm mm. on my oh my when I'm on my period I feel like I gain at least like three kg hmm. like and I'm always shocked even though I know it's coming <laughs> I'm like <laughs> again <laughs> and then this morning so literally there's always like a um, three kg difference from my normal weight to my period mm-hmm. weight and I just mm-hmm. can't I just never can understand so That's smart um and I don't know why but this month I've been mm-hmm. eating like once one meal a day mm-hmm. I, I just I don't know if it's because I'm lazy to cook or if I just can't be bothered but I just can't <laughs> I don't even want to eat so I'll wake up yeah. do work and then I'll eat at like four or five and the fact that we're doing the 5k challenge and that shit is hard so I'm like I'm not eating shit to gain it back after I'm running in the in the sun so I think that also helps so when you see me guys don't be surprised if I look like Beyonce (laughs) just saying you know (laughs) you might be like who's that oh it's (laughs) yesterday It's me, guys. It's me. <laughs> You're actually a top idiot. Do you know that? <laughs> oh, God. Anyway. That's why we love you, Yasin. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, guys, um, as you know, you've been known, we've got a new team member. And dun, dun, dun. Let me just introduce her. I just want to say a few words because... <laughs> <laughs> She has changed my life. Like, oh my god! Here we go. Let me let me give you time. Sorry. No, I feel, I feel like you lot need to relax. Let me let me just. I feel like I'm at, at an award show, but you know, guys, um, I've been responsible for the community stuff, and Hannah's responsible for the more technical stuff that I don't know what to do. So. I've been struggling with replying to messages, keeping up to date with emails, etc., etc. And then boom, came this girl. And now 
guys, there's no messages to reply to. I'm so happy. Like I sent Hannah the craziest voice note the other day, screaming at happiness. I just feel at peace. <laughs> and it's all thanks to Please return to Yasin. <laughs> I just I just wanna like thank you, babe. Like, you know, like you've actually really helped us and I can't wait to see how things go with us with home girls so i'll let hannah introduce her because i'm i just need a minute <laughs> bigger and better okay we've got Swayba, aka sway and i've just decided to call her swaley as well um all the way from bristol so guys we're going international baby you know <laughs> um so thank you Swayba. feel free to jump on Oh, I don't know what to say after that. That's picked me up, so now I'm like scared. <laughs> Thanks for welcome, <laughs> welcome. How are you? I'm really good, actually. Um, how are you guys? All the better for you, baby. Oh, my God, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> oh, literally, no pressure after Yasin. All of that, I have to live up to it. Because <laughs> we've been we've been trying to find someone to help us like expand and do more stuff for a while now and we've been talking about it for like I even know you so how long has it been like two years <laughs> <laughs> it's been so long um and it's just so great to have you so thank you so much oh, it's, um, it's actually an honor like I only joined you guys recently but I've already seen like a massive difference in my own well-being just knowing that you guys exist and like there's a sisterhood out there like oh it feels so special honestly so thank oh, you for you guys she's <laughs> <laughs> gonna be spending all day everything thank you thank you um so we wanted to like give everybody a chance to kind of get to know you because obviously we haven't met face to face you know lockdown and all that but we've um had great chats over zoom and whatever um so can you just kind of tell everyone a bit about yourself? Yeah, of course. So I'm Swayba, also known as Sway. All my friends, <laughs> all my friends call me Sway. I don't know where I came from, but they all call me Sway. Um, I'm from Bristol, like Hannah said. Big up to all my Bristolians. <laughs> um, I'm currently in my second year of university, but I will be starting my last year soon as well. Um, as you know, I to say, I'm one of seven, seven girls. So um, really, really busy household. People ask me what it's like all the time. And I always tell them the same thing. I always tell them, do you know that scene in Home Alone where they're going to Paris and it's like crazy and everyone's packing? It's that, <laughs> it's that exact scene every single day. Like there's a queue for the toilet, like all the time. Like I feel like when I go for job interviews, I'm like, I got teamwork because I'm always helping someone work in the team, do you know what I mean? Like, when it's time to do the chores, we're all working together. Um, leadership, when I'm the oldest and my sisters have moved out, that's basically leadership. I feel like every single retail experience, if you're the eldest daughter, you're basically equipped for it because you do that kind of stuff day in, day out. Um, yeah, I'm a spying barrister. Hopefully, I want to specialise in family law. Um, I feel like because of my childhood, because of being, like, um, the middle child and being a daughter of an immigrant family, I have so much sort of, um, what's the word? So much interest in like children's rights and making sure that children grow up in secure, securely attached families and making sure that children, you know, get the 
start in life that they deserve. But yeah, I think that's all, all I can say from now. That's really like nice to hear that you actually wanna wanna make a difference, and you're still quite young as well. Um, so <laughs> I don't honestly, I don't feel twenty one. I feel like I'm forty five. <laughs> oh, well, I'm currently in my fifties. <laughs> We're retiring soon, don't worry. <laughs> Honestly, what the fuck? Um, but because I just wanted you to kind of um pick up on because you said you're a middle child, right? Yeah. Um, so just to explain, like, obviously you've got older sisters, but people have moved out. You've now taken that kind of space as the eldest daughter. Um, so just kind of speak to us about that experience. So it's kind of weird because as a middle child, everyone thinks that like you're ignored and no one really bothers you and you're not spoiled like the young one and you're not burdened like the old one. But I feel like, you know, I my closest friend, I won't say her name because she's really private, but she's an oldest child and I'm really close with my elder sisters as well. And I resonate a lot with what they go through. And because they've moved out, it's weird because I've gone from being the middle child to being the oldest. So I get both sides of the coin and... I think, to be honest, there's not much difference. Like in my experience, I think my older sister, who's the eldest, she's, I mean, she has got it the worst because she's, you know, blamed for everything. So much pressure on her to succeed. Um, She has to sort of act like the role model and the father as well in the family. But I'd say since she's moved out, I've sort of taken that role. And I think the difference between when she was doing and when I'm doing it now is the fact that I'm, I was going through therapy um, since she moved out. So setting boundaries and saying, actually, no, I want to go out with my friends today. I don't want to look after the little ones. Like, it's a bit different because, you know, I don't really stand up for it. (laughs) I move kind of mad. Um, But yes, (laughs) I think establishing boundaries is so important because, you know, as much as parents are put on a pedestal, like religion-wise, society-wise, they are still humans at the end of the day and they can get it wrong. And I feel like in my experience, when parents get it wrong, they get it really, really wrong. And it sort of translates into um, throughout children's childhood and their adulthood as well. It affects affects them in sort of their confidence, their self-worth, their, you know, their future romantic relationships and their friendships. So I don't know. I think going through therapy has really helped because now that I'm the oldest, I'm just like, do you know what? I haven't given child to any of these. <laughs> I haven't given birth to any of these children. Um, it's not my responsibility. But if I'm home and I happen to be able to look after them, then I'm more than happy to help you out. But if not, and I'm going out of my way to do that, then I'd rather not. And I think communicating is massive. But, you know, not a lot of people can communicate with their parents and, you know, get be understood. Mm. and I think that's like a very um healthy way of looking at it and of doing it so I just wanted to know was it a thing where something like something triggered you to go to therapy or was it something that you was just kind of like okay I've seen what's happened to my older sister and I don't want that to happen to me or was it just something that just happened Mm. honestly like I think it was loads of different factors but I'll say that Basically, so I would say since September last year, there's been quite a lot of tension. Um, I've always wanted to travel alone. I'm really, like, passionate about seeing the world. Do you know what I mean? Like, the whole world is not just Bristol. Like, I want to leave Bristol and 
go to different places. I'm going to go to China, Hong Kong, do you know what I mean? Um, and an opportunity came up. Well, I'd applied for a um, study abroad in Germany. And originally I applied to America, actually. And everyone was fine with me going to America for um, like a whole academic year. But then I didn't get it because it was really competitive. And he said, the university turned around and said, actually, would you like to go to Germany we really liked your application and someone's pulled out would you rather go to Germany and I was like oh my god yeah I'm more than happy like I just want to travel <laughs> I don't care where it is um and so it came time to basically inform my family that I was going to um go to Germany this is before corona and everything got cancelled um and it just caused like a massive chaos like I think Amina was saying it in the podcast that you did with her when she when she left her home, but it's like aunties were called, da, 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 da. and I'm just like, I just want to go to Germany for literally seven months. Like it's not that deep, but obviously, like when you're a Somali daughter of an all female household, there's a, there's a unspoken rule that you can't leave the house without sort of you can leave the house but you need um parents need to know where you're going and if you leave the country it's like oh my god like what's she doing do you know what I mean um so a lot of tension happened because of that and then I sort of entered a state of so I've always suffered with anxiety but I would say around that time my anxiety got really really bad and I was having panic attacks almost daily um because I felt so out of control of my life and me being a control freak, I was just like, why can't I just do this? Like, I've got the finances, I've applied, I'm really proud of myself for getting through the application. But I just felt like I had to always ask permission to do something. And I, it sounds a bit naive now because I was like, I'm 20 years old, I could do whatever I want. Da, 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 da. But we all know that kind of rhetoric is never going to be helpful because, you know, our parents and the their mindset of that generation is that you will never be old enough to do what you want sort of thing is almost as if like when you get married you're sort of passed on to your husband and then you ask him for permission and mm-hmm. I've never been a fan of that sort of mentality mm-hmm. like I've always been a, like a go-getter basically so I'll say that triggered it and then I kept seeing it's like God wanted me to go into therapy because I kept seeing things about therapy and how it's not just for the middle class and how it's really, really beneficial. And then I'd say around March time, like another another thing happened in my family and I just felt so alone. I had other people like my friends that really, really helped me through that point. But I essentially entered into I wouldn't say major depression, but it was it was depression in the sense that I didn't want to leave my room. I didn't want to leave my bed. Like I was just lethargic and really, really down and upset. Don't want to speak to anyone. Wasn't eating. Um, and then I was like, Sober, this is enough. Like you have to put yourself first and get some help. And I've told you two about it, but my first therapist wasn't wasn't right for me because she just I think we're just we're too different. And I just felt like she wasn't listening. Um, to me but I watched a live with Donia at the same time that I um, was thinking of um, getting a new therapist and she basically said like you don't have to stick with a therapist that you're not happy with and I was like actually like I'm paying so much money for me to secretly not like go into therapy so I was like I need to find a new one so that's basically where I'm at now I'm still at the stage where I'm trying to 
learn more about myself and trying to heal through everything that I've gone through. But I'd say the biggest thing for me is just sisterhood and shout out to Home Girls United because bringing women together and getting women to share their stories, I think there's never going to be anything more powerful than that. And I just think that things like reputation and shame, it only prevents people from speaking out and sharing their stories and it doesn't really benefit anyone in the long run. Exactly. Oh, you've said a lot there. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Like, uh, no, 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 please don't, not like that. I meant it like in a, in a very good way. Um, it's just like a lot for me to, to process and there's so much that I want to pick up on. Um, but thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm really glad that you've got the help that you need. Uh, I know that you said that the first therapist didn't work, but I'm hoping the next one or the next subsequent ones, because it's, I think I think it's just like any relationship. I feel sometimes you outgrow different therapists as well. I'm so done. I was with one for like was it ten months or something, mm-hmm. um, and then I just felt like we outgrew each other. I was like, okay, you've got me to the stage that you can get me to, and I think I need more. Um, so I. I get it as well. It's like ongoing relationship. You're always trying to find what suits you best. So I'm really glad that you're on that progress, on that um, path. So thank you for sharing. Um, and just kind of in in terms of like reputational shame and speaking out as women, has it helped being in a an all-women household? Is it something that is kind of because I know for a lot of people growing up, it was like shame around your period as a woman. So like during Ramadan, a lot of girls were saying that they would have to pretend that they're still fasting because they didn't want the men in their family to know that they were on their periods and stuff like that. So I just wanted to know if it was a a different situation growing up in an all women or all yeah all women household. Um, and is it something that you feel like has kind of helped you? in a sense of like being more comfortable speaking out do you know what I mean yeah 100% so I'd say a bit of both so it's it has its positives and negatives um so I'd say living with seven women um sometimes eight when my sister's back home from Liverpool um it's it's really empowering because my relationship with my sister is that we just speak really openly with each other and we just tell each other everything we're going through and a lot of the times we're going through similar things um at the same time, like, when you're that close, like, it's hard to find your own identity and you start becoming seen as, like, the seven sisters and, like, the group. And it's sort of saying, no, actually, like, I am my own person. And I think as well, um, when you have parents who are very, like, highly regarded in the community and, like, everyone knows them, and the Somali community in Bristol as well is really, like, tight-knit and everyone knows each other and everyone knows each other's business. And it's very, like, um, what's the word? Oh, my God. Yeah, it's very, like, <laughs> closely knit and all the aunties, if they see you in the yeah. city centre... I, I, I will... experienced that. <laughs> <laughs> they will tell your mum, like, before you even get home, like, you will know about it if your headscarf is slipping or if you're wearing jeans or something, like, before you even get home, your mum's going to know about it. So that's the kind of community it is. And I've I've sort of outgrown Bristol, which is why sort of Germany was so ideal to me. Um which is why, like, 
reputation and shame is a constant theme that comes up in sort of dialogue when I'm speaking to my mum about why am I not allowed to do this why am I not to do that and it's a lot of the time it comes back to what are people going to say what are people going to think and I'm just like I'm going to Germany to further my career do you know what I mean like I'm not going to kill anyone I'm not gonna do you know what I mean like you have to trust me that you've raised me well enough for me to start taking opportunities and bettering myself in my professional life and in my personal life um but I think when people live in that constant fear of what are people going to think what people going to think they don't step back and think am I actually hindering my children from you know going ahead and doing the things that they love and that's what I've always struggled with and my anxiety has got really bad because I'm a control freak so I've always wanted to be in control and knowing that I can't just you know do whatever I want tomorrow is really difficult because it's almost as if your life isn't fully in your hands if that makes sense when people live their lives in in a perspective where they're always worried about what other people are going to say it's it starts to hinder their relationship with their children because their children start having resentment towards them and they start, you know, they start thinking, why don't you care more about my happiness than everyone else? Um, and I feel like the Bristol community, unfortunately, is really like that. So that's what I've struggled. Um, for, for me, I was in Bristol for a year and I was living by myself. So I didn't really know anyone. Um, I have like... It, like it, very kind of extended family members there um but I had nothing to do with them it was just I went there for work and it was really hard because people knew straight away they were like oh we know you're Somali but we don't know which family you belong to and it was always just trying to find out who I was and I was like bro I don't actually owe you anything like (laughs) leave me alone and even like stuff where like at work there was two like Somali guys who were cleaners and one of them was an old guy and he had a daughter who was my age or similar. And he would always come up to me and be like, oh, you know, my daughter's married and she has a kid. Like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh fucking, God. bro, I don't know you. Like, like, I genuinely, I don't even know your name. Like, you don't That's know me. Rude. Don't you dare. And I was just, and bro, I was 20, 22, I think. I mean, yeah, I was 22 at the time or 23 at most. And I was like, like, you don't. Who are you? <laughs> I'm not even old. I'm like, yeah, like I'm a baby girl living my life. Like, who are you? And then um, it got to the point where I was actually, I don't, and it was it was nice because because I didn't have like my mum there and my parents there, they couldn't be like, oh, I'm going to tell your parents because they don't know my parents. So I could just say what I wanted. So afterwards I was like, listen, don't talk to me like that. You don't know me. And he apologised and he was like, oh, I'm sorry and left me alone. And I was just like, I can't believe you even have the audacity to come and speak to someone yeah. and be like oh yeah my daughter's got a kid what are you doing I was like bro that's your daughter's choice isn't it <laughs> um so I was just it was a bit mad um so I, I I get it and it was just kind of it felt really freeing in a sense yeah. because it was like oh I can actually speak back to these people um and it was like mad stuff where would go for a night out and the Uber driver would be Somali and I'd just be like, oh, fuck's sake. Like, oh my God. I'd always try to cancel it. <laughs> cancel cancel the ride. And then this time it was just like, you know what? And then what? another one comes up. <laughs> exactly. I was like, it is what it is. Let me just go with it. This time um, I have it instead of Ahmed. <laughs> exactly. 
exactly. And then it was always like one time I was like, oh no, I'm Sudanese. And then the guy turned out to be Sudanese himself. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Oh my sake. God, Hannah, you can <laughs> <laughs> he tried to speak to me in Arabic and I was just like, bros, I'm actually Somali. Yeah. Oh um, so it was it was it was quite stressful, but do you know what? It's it's hard when you're living in that kind of tight knit community to be like, you know, fuck this because you know that they're always gonna come for your mom and This is what I mean. That kind of yeah, that uh-huh. guilt that you feel. But then at the end of the day, I think it's also kind of realizing that you're not doing anything wrong exactly and I think you just have to have like real um kind of sense of belief or like trusting yourself that you're not doing anything wrong and even if you were doing stuff wrong like it's not for you to be carrying a whole community like exactly that's it's just it's just too much it's too much so I feel like that's where therapy comes in and a lot of the time kind of seeking out um uh seeking out like trying to think outside of the very small box that you've been put in um yeah so I'm I'm glad that you're doing that and it gets easier I feel like the more that you rebel the easier it gets so I'm just like I always say just start small win it to stay out an hour late like just stuff like that I mean like what did you die it's that kind of thing my thing Um, is like if I was like moving mad like I get it like you know you're looking out for your friend like if you think that my mum is your friend or something like that but like a lot of the times it's just us girls just doing something innocent or just living our best lives and it's just constantly like we're under surveillance camera and it's like you have to just accept that we're grown adults I think when you try to discipline someone who's basically a teenager or a young adult in their 20s you're going to get resistance because you're your own person and I don't know a lot of people that will stand up for someone you know like insulting them or trying to tell them what to do every minute of their day so I'm just going to keep moving mad to my nest but I I don't want to come across as disrespectful because like I get parents are there to look after us and I'm not a mum myself so I can't imagine how it feels to almost have children and see yourself in them but what I do know is that you're not going to get anywhere if you try to discipline a full-grown woman all you're going to get is either your relationship's going to be deteriorated or she's just going to do what she's going to do but just secretly so no one can catch her do you know what I mean it's all about communication if you don't if you don't have those um sort of patterns of speaking to your children asking them how they are um generally wanting them to be happy and wishing them the best then they're not going to feel you know they're not going to feel like they can speak to you about everything and you're going to hear it from the aunties before you hear it from them do you know what I mean oh the aunties I have (laughs) a lot to say about them um and to be honest I feel like when you were saying, like, you don't want to be disrespectful, etc., I feel like sometimes you have to go there um, just to put people in their places, um, especially when, I mean, I would never encourage anyone to be disrespectful to their mom, but these aunties do your thing in it. Like, if they come at you or things that... Because uh, a lot of the time, I feel like they do that out of jealousy, I feel like they see that you're actually 
living the life that they wish they could have lived. And mm -hmm. instead of like bigging you up and being proud, etc., they want to bring you down back to their level. Yeah. And for you to be like kind of submissive, doing this, doing that. And I I completely am anti, 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 if that even makes sense. <laughs> I'm all against all the anti and their like bad mind behavior. So I definitely encourage you to like stand up more to them. And I think it will be really like, I'm sure you already do this, but I think it'll be good for like your younger siblings. It will make things easier for them when it's time for them to be making these decisions um, to be like leaving the country, etc. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's the hardest thing about being the eldest is that you're sort of the guinea pig. So if you want freedom, then depending on how your parents respond to that and respond to maybe your, your eldest daughter's, um, like your eldest sister or if you're the eldest daughter, depending how they respond to you, you know, going on a plane or going on a girl's trip by yourself, that sort of sets the tone for the younger ones. So it just adds to the pressure of, you know, being the oldest because you're the first to do everything, basically. You really are. And um, I wanted to see um, your oldest sister who's left the house. How was she in, in how like, because the whole conversation with you going to Germany wasn't pleasant. How mm. was the conversation? Is it because she's there for educational purposes? Or why was it so easy for her to, like, go to Liverpool? So my second older sister, so she, she lived in Liverpool because mm. she's doing medicine up in Liverpool. But my elder sister, so the actual older, older one, she graduated yeah. from Cardiff, um, I think a couple of, maybe two, three years ago now. Um, she's moved out recently just because she, I think she just reached the age where she just, wanting her own space and my sister was like come live with me in Liverpool um and she was going through her own stuff in terms of you know finding her identity finding out what career she really wanted to go to go through um and bless her she she's really like grown into herself through this time where she's been able to sort of move out and move my older sister she's like reading self-help books getting back into exercise and She's really like um, relieved herself of the burden of being the eldest, and she had so much guilt um, at the beginning when she she left because um, she didn't she didn't leave yeah, with yeah. my parents' permission. She sort of just said, you know what, like I'm so tired of being the backbone and carrying this family. I need to sort of find myself, and we were all for it apart from my parents. But I think since that time, she's really transformed into herself. Um, and she just seems so much happier. And like you said in your other podcast, honestly, like when you actually move out, you just, it's just like a weight lift off your shoulder. And at the start, she's dealt with guilt and she kept calling me and she kept saying like, I feel so guilty. Like, how are you guys coping? Da, 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 da. And I was just like, believe it or not, like we're still living in the house. We've still got a roof of our head. It's not come crashing down. <laughs> like we appreciate everything you did. <laughs> focus on yourself now and I think that's what she's doing and she's you know bless her she's on a really good journey right now that's that's really it like when when the backbone leaves it's so important to understand like 
no one's everyone's functioning like nothing bad has happened and i wish i hope like more more elders daughters that are in a like in a position to want to leave but they're scared of how things are going to be without so and so it's like just go on it's like being in that relationship you're like oh my god i'm not going to survive without this person and then three four months down the line you're living and surviving without that person so i think like it's so important to make the decisions based on our needs rather than the needs of the others and like they say you can't really pour from an empty cup so being being around people and being unhappy it's really not going to help anyone at the end of the day so now i'm very sure she's a much better like sister and daughter to everyone cuz she's 100%. actually like happy and doing what she wants 100% and i've even seen like a massive so, yeah. i've seen like a massive change in her mindset i think before like we were all we're all quite like academically smart and we've all like um throughout our lives done really well in terms of getting good grades and focusing the score but like if we got you know maybe a b instead of an a or a c instead of a b like it would feel like someone's died like our relationship with failure was so bad and i think now she just seems she sees failure as like um an essential part of developing herself and that's literally through reading so she's been reading like loads of like business books i think rich dad poor dad <laughs> is one of them and she just sees failure as a thing that you can't avoid like you need to fail to succeed but before i'd say definitely our whole mindset as daughters was oh my god how can we fail if we fail we're going to bring so much shame to ourselves on our family name we're going to let down our parents who sacrificed everything to come to this country and that wasn't helpful for our anxiety that wasn't helpful for our self care you know we clearly didn't love ourselves enough to say do you know what that's okay you didn't get this but if Allah's closed that door he's opened another one for you that mindset was just completely missing and i think this year even though it's been the hardest in terms of my mental health and what i've gone through it's definitely been sort of revolutionary in learning how failing is so crucial like now if i'm not failing i'm like i'm not doing something right because i have to be hearing no's to be hearing yeses do you know what i mean definitely yeah definitely yeah that's a really good way because and that goes back to um one of my other favorite podcasts when it's not ours <laughs> um how to fail um and that podcast really just kind of goes in it so she interviews different people who've done really amazing things in their lives um and just sees their failures and they talk about three main failures um and it's really kind of changed my way of thinking and looking at it as well so i'm really glad that you touched on that and um explained how i don't know being academically gifted often makes it very hard to take failures um and especially because it's with academic academic sorry it's something that you can control so you put in the time and effort and then this is what you get right but life is not always like that you can put in all the time and all the effort and it still may not manifest in the way that you want it to um so i feel like a big part of life and a big part of growing up is learning how to fail and learning how to deal with that um so yeah thank you so much for for touching on that and um 
for generally just being so open <laughs> for this podcast. Um, I know it's something that's going to be extremely beneficial to you growing up and moving forward. And of course, to us and at home girls, because a lot of what we do is being open and being kind of just very much ourselves and owning up to a lot of the stuff. Um, and then working as a team um, with all that we want to do with home girls, it's, it requires all of that. Um, and it also requires money. So guys, please give money to, to home girls. We are currently crowdfunding. <laughs> um, Small plug. But yeah, thank you, Sweba. I, I really appreciate you giving your kind of your time and your story to all of us. Honestly, it's my pleasure. To kind of wrap up, is there any kind of final tips or final, um, a final piece of advice that you'd like to give to our listeners? My biggest thing that I've learned is speaking positively to myself and, you know, like looking in the mirror and reminding yourself, like, you're actually that bitch. Like, you can do whatever you want to do. And, like, literally, no one can tell you otherwise. And just being kind to yourself and just knowing that you should speak to yourself the way that you speak to other people. I find that, like, it's the, always the most loving girls who are always really nice to their friends and are always praising other people that suffer the most with self-confidence because as much as we speak really nicely to everyone else, when we look in the mirror, we're always picking a podding at what we don't like about ourselves, but we're actually meant to be like, you're actually that person like you can do whatever you want if you want a million pounds go get it if you want to lose weight go get it if you want to gain weight go get it do you know what I mean and just having that switch of knowing that just because you're having a thought doesn't mean it's right and just challenging your thoughts and making sure that you're speaking positively to yourself has honestly just changed my life I I have one last question. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I wanted to just see, because we always talk about what our vision is for homegirls, and what's your vision for homegirls? Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> you've already got the job, don't worry. <laughs> is there a right or wrong answer? I'm joking. So I see homegirls, honestly, as becoming like a massive platform that connects with loads of women, um, I see it as a safe space, as a judgment-free zone. Hannah and Yazin has done so much already in terms of making it feel like a very, um, it just feels like a really safe space, and which is why like, I usually wouldn't say so much of my personal life, but because you guys are such, honestly, genuinely nice people, it just makes it that much easier to speak about otherwise really difficult subjects. So I just see it as being revolutionary in terms of starting conversations that we need to have inside our own homes and outside as well. And I just see it becoming like a massive public platform that reaches thousands of women and really empowers them to make positive changes in their life. Amazing. Just like us. And also to have Michelle Obama on the podcast. <laughs> no, it's Beyonce. Beyonce, Michelle. Michelle's all right. Her husband's a murderer, but <laughs> we, we go for Beyonce. Michelle, um, please don't take what Hannah said personally. Like, She's got her as well, so she might hear that. <laughs> you know what? You know, I keep telling you. Let her hear it. 
at the, the day I posted that I want Michelle on our podcast, the next day she releases her podcast. Oh my I god! Feel like, I feel like she's trying something here. Like she's so much stealing. Like, hmm, I should get on this. Um, <laughs> but just wait, it's gonna come. <laughs> but no, thank you so much for joining us, and I'm so excited to have you on board and just making life easier. Um, oh, Thank you. I'm sure we'll have you back on the podcast. Like, yeah, you know where to find you me. Can, you can host some as well. Come through. <laughs> about equal opportunities, you know. All that, all that. But thank you so much. And thank you guys for listening. Um, we are going to include the crowdfunder link. Oh, yeah, we will. <laughs> so drop your monies as please well. Donate, please, please donate, donate, please donate. <laughs> thank you so much and take care, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.